You're listening to Tasmanian Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9 a.m., you can hear what the Bible says about past, current, and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here, and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. And uh, today, David, we're starting a new series, The Word of God. But welcome. Thanks, Jason. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. It's good. Now, uh, David, we've been doing our Reflecting Jesus series, and uh, we did a lot of episodes with that. I think uh, 26 episodes or so with uh, Reflecting Jesus. And uh, to finish off this year, we're starting a new shorter series, The Word of God. Yes. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but... um, I guess as part of this new series, are you going to do anything different up front? You know, you've been sharing your blessings on the Reflecting Jesus uh, program. Mm. Um, what are you going to share with us each time <laughs> this time? All right. Well, what I would like to share this time is uh, because we're talking about the Word of God, I'd like to actually briefly at the beginning of each program share a little bit of my own journey with experiencing the Word of God and how that's impacted and changed who I am today. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, of course, um, if you want to go back and have a listen to all of our previous episodes, it's uh, not on this series because uh, this is brand new today, but our, our <laughs> Reflecting Jesus and any of our other Tassie Encounters uh, episodes, um, you can catch that on the website, the faithfm.com.au website, or you can download the Faith FM app from the Google and Apple app stores. So do check that out. And uh, if you're a new listener today, we have a show number for Tassie Encounters. Now, this is just for Tassie Encounters, 0488-880-891. Write that down, mark it as Tassie Encounters. This is the number that you can communicate with us on. You can text us in real time. This is a live program, so we love to hear from you. And uh, we can share your messages on air. If uh, if there's a question that you've got, we can answer that question. And, of course, we've got a free book offer coming up later in the program. So, uh, David, kick us off. Ooh. Share something with us about uh, your journey with the Word. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So, look, first up is my recollect- my recollection of being exposed to the Bible. And for me, uh, I guess the main one that I remember is being um, in Sunday school at the Brighton Baptist Church. It's actually not even a church anymore, and that's really sad. It's somebody's home. But but actually listening to the stories that the pastor's wife, her name was Mrs. Allen. Isn't it amazing how names stick in your head? And, mm. um, yeah, she was a lovely lady. Um, but then after a while, uh, her son took over in that. And also in boys' brigade meetings. I, I remember Mrs. Allen's uh, character, her her kind words, her voice. I can remember getting in trouble once at home and being told that I'd been dobbed on by someone, we that's an Australianism, that uh, or, or told on, yeah, probably makes more sense, that I was pulling somebody's hair and, and we never did that. But even we, we were a little unruly at some times and, and I can always remember that Mrs. Allen was kind and she was patient and she had this way of teaching um, us kids that really stuck in our heads. She would share all these fantastic stories from the Bible, you know, David and Goliath, Gideon, all these heroes. So those things really stuck in my mind. And I think it's really, really important that we have godly teachers. Godly teachers help us to um, uh, 
set the foundations mm. of, of who we are as, as people. And uh, if you've got uh, most churches have, you know, good children's leaders, uh, and I think as they help to lay these foundations, don't forget to support them in your church. It's mm. very, very important. Mm. Absolutely. It brings to mind that verse, I think it's from Proverbs, you might be able to tell um, tell me where it's from, but it says, uh, train up a child in the way they should go, and uh, when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's true. It's very, very true. Um, mm. I've often, my mother's quoted that, and she she said that to me once when I was sorry that I'd walked away from God for some time. So, yeah, it's very important, the foundation we lay for our kids. Mm, absolutely. Um. Well, today um, we've already shared all of the, you know, the ways you can listen to our programs both online and uh, you can listen to our live programs online as well using those uh, apps and the Faith FM website. But uh, I think it's time to start our actual um, discussion today. Or We've got a question um, that uh, we, we want to ask our listeners today. Do you want to share that? Mm, yes, yes. So the question that I would like to ask today is, what was your first experience with coming in contact with the Bible? And and I'd like to share mine as well, and perhaps you might like to share it as well, Jason, but what was your first experience coming in contact with the Bible? If you can remember back that far, maybe for some of you it was very recent, text us in, let us know. We'd love to to, to share that, that content. Um I'll share mine, perhaps, and if you'd like to share yours, and mm. I don't know if you want to share any of the feedback from last week, you're welcome to do that as well. So for me, aside from the Sunday School and Boys Brigade, one of another early memory for me was my dad giving us a chapter of the Bible to learn each Sunday after church. Now, today you look at um, learning a single verse as an adult and you think, boy, this is so hard. I don't know about you, but it's difficult. My short-term memory is not what it used to be. But those things from way back when I was young just seemed to come back to me. And what we used to do was we'd go to Sunday school, we'd go to church, we'd come home, we'd have lunch together. Then we, the, the dreaded hour would happen after this and Dad would give us a chapter of the Bible, Psalms 100 or or Psalm 23, and, you know, these these not really large chapters. He didn't give us Psalms 119 or anything like that. He would just give us short ones, and we had to memorise it, then repeat it back to him. And once we had done that sufficiently, without too much prompting, you know, he, he, he was quite graceful. You know, he would help us with lots of it. But as long as he realised we had taken the effort to learn it, and study it, and we were able to tell it back to him, then we were allowed to go out and play. So it's very different from what we would have today as a, a seventh-day rest, you know, the Sabbath rest. We would do it quite differently mm. to the way we did it when we were kids. But I never forget that, you know. And for me, at the, you know, at the time I didn't realise how foundational this was, how important it was. One of the other things Dad taught us that was really foundational was, you know, the, the times tables. These things really stick in your mind. And those verses that we had to memorise at important times in my life have actually come back to me mm. and, and helped me at times when I, I didn't realise 
that how important those things were. Mm. And, and to me, I think those experiences have solidified my love of the Bible, you know, and, and I feel that they've underpinned my desire to later then study much deeper and learn things for myself mm. rather than, you know, just taking what people tell you. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the uh, the Word of God has an amazing way if we read it and try mm. to memorize uh, key passages. I think um, it's amazing in the old days. Uh, in in my understanding, in biblical times, the uh, the uh, Jewish uh, boys in particular, maybe all of them, I'm not sure, had to re- mm. memorize lots of the Torah. That's the first five books mm. of the Bible, and. Mm. But uh, for me, um, individual verses that um, I learned, and I'm not really good at memorizing words, to be honest, or verses. I find it really hard. Mm. But they still do come back to you, those verses. And even as we were discussing earlier, you know, that verse about train up a child in the way they should go, you know, that stuck with me because it's uh, something that um, I remember learning in my teenage years. So, yeah. Mm. For me, uh, I grew up in the church, so... You know, um, coming in contact with the scriptures was always a part of my childhood, and um, I do remember, you know, trying to learn different verses. And of course, you know, one of the most famous verses that we remember is uh, "For God so loved the world that He gave Ooh. His only begotten Son" in John three sixteen. So there are many that stick in your head. Yes, and and what it's really important to do is when when you have those memories of those verses. Open your Bibles and read the verses around them mm. because they are fascinating. But we never we never learn them. We just learn these key. We learn ones. the key passages. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> and it's often the words around them that uh, give a much deeper meaning to the to the particular passage that we've learned. Absolutely, John three is one in particular. Fourteen to um, to eighteen. Yeah, that yeah. blows you away. Mm. We're going to go to break, um, but before we do, just a reminder, we'd love to hear from you today. What was your first experience with coming into contact with the Bible? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488-880-891. Our first song is Give Me the Bible by Matt Minicus and uh, Clint McCoy. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming To cheer the wander, lone and tempest-tossed No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day Give me the Bible when my heart is broken When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior near 
me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. steps enlightened Teach me the danger of these realms below That lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten That light alone the path of peace can show Give me the Bible Holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day In eternal day In eternal day That was Give Me the Bible by Matt Minicus and Clint McCoy and uh, we do apologise for the technical issue when starting that song up something went wrong but we got it going in the end you're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and uh, today we are speaking with David Maxwell on the topic of the spoken word is our title today and uh, we're, we're looking at the spoken word from Adam up to the period of the flood and before the break we did uh, ask you a question and that question was, what was your first experience with coming into contact with the Bible? And we'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. Now, David, um, we're going to be talking about this topic, the spoken word, but uh, our overall series is called The Word of God. Ooh. And uh, we're going to have a look at how this uh, was uh, developed and initially... We have a record of only the spoken word. Well, there, there was nothing written down as far as we know until the uh, the Torah was written by Moses, which was a long mm. time after the beginning of Genesis. So uh, let's, uh, let's uh, dig into that, and I'd love you to share what it was like before the written word. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So the first part we will look at today is the spoken word of God, as you've said, from the time of Adam <coughs> down to the flood. But first, I'd like you to. Um, I'd like to pray, and uh, I'm really praying for our listeners, and I do this each time, so that they actually will gain the best blessing out of it. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll get you to read the uh, the verses we're going to look at today. Sure. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for being a God who hears us, a God who speaks to us. And Lord, as we read your Word today, I pray you would speak to our listeners in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So we're going to read two sections of verses today. They're just short. One is in Acts 3, 19 to 21, and the second one is in Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, so Acts, 19, Acts 3, 19 to 21, this is the New King James Version. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets, uh, sorry, by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And uh, the Hebrews passage, this is Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 4. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, uh, who be, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Mm, thanks, Jason. We haven't got time to dig into all the information that's in those verses, but for my opening illustration, I'd like to pick up on one of the words, the sentences you, re you read, and that was, until the time of restoration of all things. Mm. So restoration. Uh, when I was in the Air Force uh, back in the 1980s, now that seems like just so long ago, uh, I worked in this particular place that repaired something called an air inlet control unit. So when I say AICU, you know, we like to abbreviate everything, you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm. So it was this collection of hydraulic and pneumatically controlled parts and it was adjusted, it was adjusting a cone-shaped flange. There's a lot of things to take in verbally over the, over the airwaves, but it was adjusting this flange that sat inside the F-111 air intakes for the engines and it would adjust depending on the speed the aircraft flew so that when it flew supersonic, that supersonic air wouldn't go down the engines and blow out the, the flame in the engines. If that happened, engines are going to stop and that just becomes a very large brick and it falls down. Mm. <laughs> so it was quite an amazing invention. In, in, invention. And during one of uh, the trips one of uh, to the United States, one of our maintenance officers acquired inverted commas i don't know how he did that never explained it but he acquired the basic structure of one of these units and it's about the size of a suitcase a large suitcase so it was quite big and that was just the stripped down casing of it and he brought it back to australia somehow <laughs> and uh, it didn't have all the attached parts but we had the the job of completely restoring this uh, aicu or the inlet, air inlet control unit and uh, add all the necessary parts, order them all in, and get the thing working as it should. And once we finished it, it took about 400 hours, man hours, to do this. So mm -hmm. four of us working on it, you know, about 100, 100 hours. So uh, once we completed it, it was as if we had purchased it brand new. It, it, was, uh, it was working perfectly. Effectively, 
This is a little bit like what God's plan for mankind was like. So after sin, men and women were just a mere shell of themselves. I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. So physically, it took years for them to degenerate. But but spiritually, once they sinned, they became a mere shell of what they could have been if they hadn't sinned. As the years progressed and God enacted his plan, he had a plan in place to save us. As he enacts this plan, although mankind's physical structure stays pretty intact and they live a long time, we'll talk about that in a moment, the spiritual stature dwindles in that first 1,600 years until only Methuselah, Lamech, Noah and his family are left faithful to God until just a few years before the flood. God has a a way, and he had a way of making sure that mankind could be fully restored, like that unit I was working on, and functioning again properly and fully, but for us, spiritually, as he originally intended. And of course, um, we know that that plan was in place before the world was even created, so um, uh, this was not an afterthought. (laughs) No, it wasn't. He had this plan in place, and I'll mention that as we go through so in Acts uh, three nineteen to twenty one, I'm going to read. Uh, let me just have a look. I might just read. I'll, I'll read the whole lot. I'll read it quickly. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. I think that's really, really interesting that it says that he spoke by the prophets since the world began. Mm. As Peter and John are responding to the people's amazement, what is happening, the background story to Acts here, is that he's responded, that all these people are responding to a miracle that uh, Peter and John have just done. They've just healed this crippled man, not themselves, but by the power of Jesus. And after giving a speech about the power of Jesus, who these people who he'd spoken to, many of them were responsible for Jesus being put on the cross, but Jesus had been raised again. And thousands of people believe in Jesus. Um, uh, The Bible says that the number came to 5,000, whether that meant 5,000 people were converted or the total of the disciples at that time became up to 5,000. I'm not really sure, but either way, a lot of people were saved. Peter then goes on to explain this theme uh, of preaching and healing in the name of Jesus, but he explains that it's only through the name of Jesus that we can be saved. Over in Acts 4.12, he actually says that, you know, by there's no other name, um, no, there is salvation by no other um, um, under heaven by which men may be saved. No other name. Mm. Harking back to the very beginning of creation, Peter draws the link from the original promise of a saviour that God gave to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15 about the the crushing of the serpent's head. And it, it was a reference to the life, death and resurrection of Jesus the serpent um, damaging the heel of this uh, this coming Messiah and Jesus was the fulfilment of it. And that's what he's outlining in this section. So the promised defeat of sin and the restoration of mankind was given right back in the very beginning, immediately after Adam and Eve had been caught in their sin. Now, we have written stories to read this today, 
but they weren't always written down. You made a correct um, comment earlier where you said that it wasn't available. The written word wasn't available for about two and two and a half thousand years, 2,600 years after creation. When we're looking back, we call that, you know, 1400 BC. Mm. So how did this communi- communication happen between God and man once sin broke and obstructed this line of communication? Well, in Hebrews 1, we read that those that shared God's word right back in the very beginning or right through the Old Testament were called prophets. And that's because the Hebrew word prophet simply means spokesperson. And some of those people who were spokespeople for God were Adam, Abel, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, and a number of others. You can go to Genesis 5, Hebrew 11, and you can see who they were. But this was only a few of them from Adam to the flood, um, which is very interesting. There, there were many more than those, clearly. But oral transference of God's will and promises shouldn't be a surprise to us today because we have, we have this, this oral, um, oral communication, if you like, that still happens today in many, many cultures. So mm. Aboriginal culture, New Zealand culture, many religious cultures all around the world. So if this is still possible today, some 6,000 years after creation, imagine how accurate it must have been um, in that first 1,600 years of life. Now, I don't know about you, Jason, but I've never watched anything go from um, new to better. It always happens the other way, doesn't it? That seems to be what we observe. The only thing that goes from new to better, perhaps, is, uh, you know, plants as they grow. You know, but then eventually mm. they die. They do, and that's mm. much the same as us. You mm. know, baby comes out beautiful, mm. it grows, but then it declines. Yeah. When I look at technology, um, never gets better, mm. always wears out, and mm. we always have to replace it. Same with your cars. Mm. And it's the same with our bodies and minds. Yes, building our muscle strengthens us, and, you know, we get better, like I said, but eventually um, we're all going to wear out and die. Now, that's, that's pretty harsh. Um, it's pretty harsh, isn't it? But it, it's, it's a rea- It's reality. <laughs> it is. Mm. It is. So we didn't, we didn't start like brute beasts and become better over millennia. We, we just look around us and we can see that's not the case. Mm. Clearly, immediately after creation, we were very good, as it says in Genesis 1.31, but after sin, everything goes downhill. And we'll talk more about that after the break. We will. And uh, remember our question today, what was your first experience when you came in contact with the Bible? What was your first contact? T- tell us about that and uh, text us in on 0488 This uh, next song is Word of God Speak by Mercy Me. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say Pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know 
that you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak Finding myself in the midst of you Beyond the music, beyond the noise All that I need is to be with you And in the quiet, hear your voice Word of God speak Would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. Finding myself at a loss for words And the fighting is, it's okay This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on a new series called The Word of God. And David's been talking about the topic of the spoken word and we're covering from Adam to the flood. Now, uh, we did ask you a question before the break and we've had somebody text in an answer. The question was, uh, what was your first experience with coming in contact with the Bible? And Stuart says, uh, my first serious encounter with the Bible was when I was challenged to receive Jesus as my saviour. John, and I'm assuming John is a friend, John said, if I wanted to make something of my Christian life, I should read 10 chapters of the Bible daily. I did that for many, many years. And yes, it made a big difference to me. And uh, he then says, blessings from Stuart. So thank you, Stuart. We are grateful for your sharing today. And uh, 10 chapters is certainly quite a bit to read each day, but uh, mm-hmm. it certainly, you've shared, makes a big difference to our lives when we read the Word of God. So... Amen mm. to that. Mm. Um, so, David, before the break, you were saying that um, immediately after creation, we were perfect in essence, mm-hmm. but then after sin, everything has gone downhill from there. Um, so, would you like to explain, you know, how God's instruction, how yeah, ha- and and how God's instruction um, was transferred down through the the ages as well? Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll continue with that. Thanks very much, Jason. So, look, as I said before the break, man's capacity to comprehend, remember and repeat information hasn't gotten better over time. You look in your own life and you can see that. Hey, when I was a teenager, I I used to be able to remember 
things so well. You know, I passed exams, did, did really well. But as I've gotten older, uh, things have gotten a little worse. And when you look at the average attention spans today and compare that with the research from just like the 2000s, um, the general or average attention span of an adult now is below that of a goldfish. The goldfish <laughs> is nine seconds, they say, and now for adults it's only eight seconds. My That's goodness. the average attention span. That's the research that I've read. Some, some other research um, conflicts with that, but this is what I've read. That's down 25% from just 22 years ago when the average attention span was only about 12 seconds. Mm. So also in terms of intelligence, scientists and archaeologists still disagree on how ancient people constructed the pyramids. They can't figure it out. And one report I read, they suggested that today we wouldn't even be capable of rebuilding them with all our advancements. Mm. I, I think that's actually an incredible statement, but perhaps because the way they constructed, they, they presumed they constructed them, really didn't have very much regard for life. You know, people would fall down and uh, some of the uh, slaves that were building them and they would just get crushed underneath uh, the rollers and they would just keep rolling. Mm. So, you know, our health and safety means we wouldn't be able to do it the same way for sure. So how did God communicate with mankind uh, after the entrance of sin in the garden. Well, as we read before in Hebrews, God used different methods at different times to speak to people in the past. And I, I'd even suggest he still does today. Right from the very beginning, God speaks directly to mankind. We can read about that in Genesis 2.16. And he is talking to Adam and he says, keep away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells them, you know, all the things to eat that he can do. After sin... There's still verbal communications together with God. We see that in Genesis 3, 9 to 19. In Genesis 4, both before and after Cain kills Abel, God has verbal discussions with Cain. Mm. In Genesis 5, God would have spoken to Enoch if he spoke to Cain, and Cain was a, you know not close to God. Clearly, he would have spoken to Enoch because Enoch walked with God, it says. Mm. <coughs> Also, before the flood, God spoke directly to Noah, and this is recorded in Genesis 6 and Genesis 7. So in those early chapters, we can see that God is talking directly still to mankind. doesn't say how, it just says he spoke, and, and they heard him and they responded. Even after the flood, there's numerous accounts of God speaking directly to people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, many, many others, but we'll look at some of those next week. Then elsewhere in the Bible, we see where God uses a spokesperson to relay a message. Now, Noah, as we're told in 2 Peter 2.5, was called a preacher of righteousness. That means God spoke to him. He then told those things to other people. He was God's spokesperson. Um, as a side note, just as a side note, God still speaks to us today, not in a, you know, a literal voice in this instance, but in the creation of the rainbow, God is actually speaking to all mankind because he put the rainbow there as a promise that he wouldn't destroy the world again completely by a worldwide flood. So after the flood, there's numerous accounts of where God speaks to people and they become his spokespeople. But once again, we'll look at that more next week. 
Other ways that God spoke to mankind that we'll look at in future programs is visions and dreams, where God gave the information to the people in these visions and dreams to tell them what was going to happen. Um, God's messages were written down by someone and then they were shared that way. Um, and we'll look at that in uh, the, the second section in a few weeks' time. And then lastly, where God's word is experienced inaudibly. So God has people uh, have an experience by speaking to them through the Holy Spirit into their lives, and we'll look at that in the final section. But many people have actually made this suggestion, and they've said that the law of God didn't exist until it was given to Moses and he wrote it down. Mm. You've probably heard that yourself, I'm sure. Uh, I've heard that argument made, but of course um, we know that um, that Cain and Abel were asked to uh, offer sacrifices, and so therefore that mm-hmm. was an instruction. And so I believe that God would have relayed all of the um, the, the you know the the laws that He has for man. I'm sure He would have spoken to them. Mm. That's mm. my feeling. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you feel like that because the Bible actually supports that idea. Mm. In in Romans 5.13, the Bible says that sin is not counted, and I'll add as sin to make it clearer, sin is not counted as sin where there's no law. So if there's no law or they didn't even know what God required, how could Adam and Eve be punished or held responsible for their disobedience? Mm. They, they couldn't be, mm. but they were. Mm. And and so it's clear they had an understanding of what God required before Sinai. Mm. There's also this really interesting interesting example in Exodus. Now it's the, the the law of Sinai is given in chapter twenty of Exodus. So four chapters before, some time before they even reach Mount Sinai, God tests them to see if they'll obey his law. I'd like to read these exact words that that God says to, to Moses. And this is in Exodus 16 and verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So here that um, God actually tests them to see whether they're going to obey his laws. He says this to Moses, as I said, before he gave them the law to write down. Mm. So it's very clear they must have known something because God couldn't punish them or, or be angry with them for disobeying him, which he later does, if they didn't already know his laws sometime. And so here, what God does is he tests them about Sabbath observance. Clearly, quite some time before the law about the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments is written down. But we'll Mm. look at that in another program. Mm. Interesting, isn't it, that that we don't have any written record of it, but God has already, or certainly in the writings of Moses before the uh, Ten Commandments were there um, and written down that uh, they were obviously following... Um, instructions, and and they obviously had a law to follow. Exactly. I mean, how could God punish um, the world, the world with a worldwide flood, if they didn't know they were breaking the law? That mm. wouldn't be fair, and it wouldn't be right. And that's not the way. Mm. God, you know, all of these people before the flood, Adam and Eve, and all the others, clearly understand, clearly have access to the knowledge about God and His law and His requirements. Mm. Um, and we'll look at that after the break. We've got our free book offer for today. It's uh, called Hidden Words Bible Word Search. 
Um, this is by Helen Johnson, and uh, well, I'll just tell you a little bit about it. It says, completing the hidden words word search puzzles is a great way to focus attention on biblical themes for your young and old readers and puzzle solvers alike. So if you like solving puzzles and you like word games, this is a good one for you. From Aminadab uh, and Admonition to Xerxes and Zerishadai. These are some great words, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> here's another great selection of word search laid out on intriguingly shaped grids. Whether you've already enjoyed the books one to seven, there's actually uh, many books in this series, but uh, this is book seven. Uh, this is, um, or if this is the first one you've got, this is going to be one that you're going to love to um to have and to enjoy the games. Well, this uh, this is a great book to pick up today. We're going to give you the code after the break. Um, but as we go to this break, this is Blessings in the Tears by Matt and Josie Minikus. This path leads, I do not know With all its twists and turns But I've discovered in the unknown Lessons I must learn And that the darkness walked with Jesus Is as precious as the light Found I come to love Him better As I walk by faith and not So I will follow where you lead me I will seek to know your will And I'll pursue you with my whole heart Your desires to fulfill And I will trust that you are good Though sometimes I cannot see The blessing through the tears On this path you're leading me The blessing through the tears On this path you're leading me And in the valley, dark with shadows Where the path becomes unclear Struggling with the feeling That you're no longer near I will look back on faith's summit Where not long ago we climbed And claim again your promises That I trusted at the time I want to have chosen where 
Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with David Maxwell. We're finishing up our program today. The title is The Spoken Word, Adam to the Flood. And uh, before the break, we talked about our free book giveaway today. It's called Hidden Words, Bible Word Search, Book 7. If you love puzzles and uh, particularly word puzzles, this is a great book for you. If you'd like to claim a copy of this book today, text in this code word, word and the number one, no spaces. Text in word one. W O R D and the number one. Text that to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We've got uh, five or six copies to give away today, so do text that in. Now, uh, before the break and uh, finishing up today, uh, David, you were explaining that Adam and Eve and uh, everyone who lived before the flood um, clearly had access to the knowledge of God and his laws. Otherwise, mm. they wouldn't be guilty of breaking laws because you can't be guilty of breaking a law if the law doesn't exist. So, exactly. uh, um, yeah, let's uh, just uh, unpack that a little bit more before we finish up today. Yeah, no worries, Jason. And look, look, just on those those book offers, um, we I just thought we would have something more fun. Yes. We always have very, very <laughs> serious books. I thought we'd have something a little bit more fun this week, but please stay tuned. We could have a brilliant book planned to give away next week, and there's only going to be a few of them. So make sure you tune in and get that code in as quickly as possible because, yeah, it's a great book. You don't want to miss next week's one either. Awesome. So, look, thank you for that. Look, you've made a really good uh, a comment here. And one of the questions it then raises is, well, sure, they knew the information, but how can we know that that information was transmitted or transferred accurately over those 1,600 years? And, and it's a really, it's, it's a good question. It's a reasonable question. And what we've seen so far is God gave his requirements and laws directly through mankind as well as through prophets or spokespeople before, even before the flood. Um, you would think after 1,600 years of this happening, though, surely someone must have made a mistake and maybe, you know, as the words got passed on, maybe things got lost. Well, it's not as difficult as it first seems. And when you go to uh, Genesis chapter 5, we have this very clear person-to-person -person account of the key men in the line of Adam. 
And through this, through this account, it's very easy to work out who knew who. Now, I don't know if you like numbers. I love numbers. So you simply read the text, write it on a piece of paper, and you can see uh, how old somebody was when they gave birth to this particular next child. They obviously had children in between that, but only this particular one's mentioned. And then they lived so many years and then they died and their total years were this. So it does all the maths for you. Mm. It's really, really quite simple. <clears throat> now, some people said, well, how could anyone live for 930 years? But we can confirm that these are literal years by looking at a Genesis chapter 11 where it talks about the, the lineage of um, Shem. So there's also some of the other sons are mentioned, but lineage of Shem is quite important because it shows that, yes, they were even straight after the flood, they had long um, ages. They, they had, you know, four, five hundred years of life, but it quickly declines in that passage to around about a hundred years. Mm. So, you know, if it was if it wasn't literal, they would have used some other means of describing that and that passage wouldn't be there. But clearly it is because it's much like we are today. Most people live 80 to 90 and some, as a general rule, live a little bit longer, up to about 100. So not much has changed from then right through to now. Mm. So when you look at the ages of people before the flood, the flood there were so many more people that, they were able to, uh, that were able to go and speak directly to Adam and get this first-hand knowledge about God and the importance of his laws and requirements. So a couple of examples. And I'll try and keep it short. Adam lived for 930 years. So he was able to speak to all the people who lived after him right down to Lamech. That's Noah's father. This means that Noah only had to transfer or pass it on, um, entrust the information to one other person, Lamech. Everyone else, they could just come and get it firsthand. Mm. About 100 years before Lamech dies, Shem, Ham and Japheth are born. They're about 100 when they go into the ark. And just five years before the flood, Lamech dies. That means Lamech only needed to transfer or entrust the information to, to Shem. All the others could just go and speak to Lamech. And that's quite interesting because that's only the second transfer exchange of information where someone passes it on. Now you're responsible for it. You know, I'm ending my life. So it's interesting to note that Noah lives another 350 years after the flood. And he didn't die until Abraham was around 50 years old. Mm. Do the sums and work that out. That's amazing. Mm. And Shem actually meets Abraham or, or is alive for the time Abraham, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's really interesting as well. So before the flood, there are only two instances where they need to pass the information on and say, you're now the caretaker of this information. Now, even in our... <clears throat> Even in our modern day, when we have things like Chinese whispers, even two retellings can get it pretty close. Mm. So back there when they were so much more intelligent, I'm sure there was no problem with passing on that information. Nothing was lost. Certainly their memories, I think, would have been a lot better than mine is today. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So as I close, I'm going to bring you back to our, our opening illustration of the restoration of all things. Right from the very beginning, God had a plan to restore mankind if the worst possible result should happen. And knowing all things, he knew it would. So that's why he had a plan in place. Man fails, 
And God enacts his plan, and he told us about it in Genesis 3.15. Then down through the ages that follow and up to now, God has used various ways at various times to reinforce that promise to us today. We've looked so far just up to the time of the flood, and next week we'll take it from the flood, and we'll continue looking at how God kept these promises alive from the flood to the point when they go into Egypt. So if we've shared enough information today for you to be able to believe or trust the Bible, please get in touch so we can give you some more information. Don't forget those offers, and I'm sure you'll uh, you'll share that again with uh, with our listeners, Jason. But for me, that's where I'm finished today. (coughs) We certainly have uh, or can share the offer again. It's Word and the number one. That's Word and the digit number one. No spaces. Text that into zero four double eight. Double eight zero eight nine one for this uh, fun little book. It's called Hidden Words Bible Word Search, book number seven by Helen Johnson. Um, we've got a few copies left to give away, so do text that in. Uh, David, um, what are we going to be covering next week on your program? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Next week we're going to continue looking at the spoken word, the written word and the lived word, but we're going to look at that um, beyond the flood as God keeps man correctly informed about him, so from Noah through to when they go into Egypt. Mm -hmm. And I'd also like to give a call out, a shout-out, if we wouldn't mind, for the um, a final shout-out for our ladies' camp on the 14th to 16th of October. Uh, We're going to cut off uh, booking very soon. It's filling up quickly. So look out for the advertising in your church bulletins on many of the websites and uh, Facebook pages, and uh, you can also contact Faith Faith FM if you'd like some booking details. It's really only for people who are physically in Tasmania, though. That's right. So if you're up in uh, in Tasmania, anywhere in Tasmania really, but particularly up in the north or northwest, um, the ladies' camp on the 14th to the 16th of October, text us in on our show number 0488880891 and we can get you more information about that if you would like to attend. And, of course, tomorrow we've got Natalie Moore joining us for part two of There's Something About Haggai, and uh, we do hope that you can join us for that on our regular Friday program on Connecting the Dots. David, uh, what have you got coming up this weekend? Are you speaking? Yes, I'll be speaking at Scottsdale this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) This is a beating heart. Inside my chest beats a heart Blessed, but I've pushed you apart I've never had a test that I've passed My life was a mess from the start But you smile at me with love You descend like a dove You say, child, let me
Sanctified and blessed, you're set apart. 